Are you tired of chasing perfection and always feeling like you fall short? There is a better way. Welcome to the Pop Coach Life with your host, Sharon Smaga, where we are pursuing the art of purpose over perfection. She's going to turn what you think you know on its head and help you discover a life filled with meaning and joy. So buckle up, Buttercup, because here comes Sharon. Good morning and welcome back to Pop Coach Life. I'm your host, Sharon Smaga. Pop Coach Life is we where we are actively pursuing the art of purpose over perfection. And so uh, we call it pop. It's just an easy way to remember it. So welcome back. Thanks for listening to my episode. Uh, thank you if you're following me on social media, YouTube, wherever you're following, please um, or listening. I'm going to ask you to please leave comments hit the like, ring the bell. Um, I'm also learning to humbly beg that you please actually follow me, whether it's on social media or the podcast, um, that it really does affect the algorithms and therefore um, people's accessibility or how easy it is to find my content. Share the content, share it freely. This is just really free content to try to uh, benefit people and and help them sort some things out in their lives. However, if you are interested in one-on-one coaching, I want to let you know that now on my website at popcoach.life, P-O-P-C-O-A-C-H dot L-I-F-E, popcoach.life, if you go into the website, you can now sign up for a brief free consultation that gives you the opportunity to connect with me, talk with me, um, see how, you know, how we connect and click and if you feel like coaching can be helpful to decide if you'd like to do some paid coaching. Um, That's a one-time coaching session, of course. You can also just go in and hit the button and choose the paid coaching. I have created a very super simple pay structure. I'm not going to try to lock you guys into months of coaching for, you know, thousands of dollars. I know that's sort of the typical model, um, but I sort of live my life bucking the system. So why not now with this too, right? Um, I know that I have something of value to offer you. I don't need to lock you into something like that to demonstrate it. I want you to feel free to choose so you can book one coaching session at a time. If you want to go in and pay for a set number and let me know that, that's fine. We can do that too. Um, If you decide you said, Sharon, I I want to do 10 sessions, work something out, um, and then I want to have the freedom to sort of dip in, tap in, tap out on your schedule as I need a booster you can do that too. So we've kept it very, very simple. We're not going to ask you to commit to six months for, you know, a 5% discount or any of that nonsense. So go in and check it out at popcoach.life. And please, 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 wherever you are watching, listening, um, you know, looking at my social media, uh, please hit that follow button. I get a lot of people on Instagram that like my content and it doesn't go further. Um, it, it's most helpful. I, I appreciate all the likes. Please don't misunderstand me. But really what's most beneficial is if you'll just go ahead and, and be willing to hit that follow button as well. So thank you for that in advance. I want to just talk today again about some content from the book I've been uh, going through and studying. And it is called The Anatomy of Peace, Resolving the Heart of Conflict. It is by the Arbinger Institute, and I am working from the fourth edition of the book. So 
been around a minute, right? If we're on the fourth edition. Um, the title today I call The War Within. And I'm going to see if I can sort of walk through some content in this book with my comments, also using some of the language as I understand it from my experience in my field over the years. Um, and see uh, where we get with this. It's very simple. It's very helpful. Uh, but it's also a little challenging. At least it has been for me to sort of really philosophically wrap my head around and take in. So I am hoping to walk us through this, not just to maybe benefit you and help you, but I'm also trying to lock it into my little brain. They're talking about, there's two characters in this book that have become friends, but they come from very different backgrounds. And they come from backgrounds that have been taught to hate each other. Um, in one of the episodes, there go balloons again. If you're listening, I keep having these balloons float up as I'm recording this, and I don't know what button I bumped. So this is kind of funny, and I'm going to try to roll through this time and not let it stop me. So if you're watching and you see balloons, I guess enjoy the balloons. <laughs> I don't know what to do. I'm just trying to get this episode laid down for you. All right. So these two men have been taught to hate each other really uh, very simply uh, because their cultures have been taught to hate each other. And so they're talking about, one of them's talking about how he encountered this man of, of another race and he was faced with sort of a decision. I wouldn't, you could call it a moral dilemma, I guess. I would just say a decision because it's just at this character level, it's a moment, it's a either you will help him or not. So you can also think about it as I'm going to do the right thing in a moment or not, right? So I don't know that that's a dilemma as much as just Will you do the right thing? And that's kind of the premise for what we're talking about today. And he talks about how this is happening. And if he if he chooses not to help the man, so if he chooses to turn his back on him and not help him in a moment of need, he says, I create within myself a new need, a need that causes me to see others accusingly, a need that causes me to care about something other than truth and solutions. Truth and solutions, really important, right? Because um, really to navigate life well with a, with a healthy true north, we need truth and solutions. And those solutions need to be based in what is true. So it goes on to talk about, uh, if you'll recall from the last episode, I talked about what I call relationship stances uh, that the book labels. And there is the I-thou and the I-it. And in the I-thou, I am a person and I still, you as a, I still see you as a person. In the I it, I see me as a person and I've dehumanized you. I see you as less than human, less than a person, right? So the moment in this scenario that this man or you or I choose to not do the right thing, we have actually betrayed ourselves. And in that betrayal, because we've betrayed our um, desire to do the right thing, right? It says, when I choose to act contrary to my own sense of self, of what is appropriate, I commit an act of self-betrayal. So you're presented with a choice. You make the wrong choice. You've now betrayed yourself. And that self-betrayal then creates a need. That need then is to see others accusingly. That, right, so I'm going to inflate their behavior because I need to be able to see them accusingly because I've already betrayed myself and not doing the right thing. 
And I need to put that blame on you. I don't want to hold on to it, right? I want to put that blame on the other person. And in that, um, I dehumanize the other person. And I it becomes the I-it posture or stance. And I know this sounds really extreme, but just check it out in your thinking. And, and because so quickly like that, right? When we're in, we're, we're in, we've done the wrong thing and we want to defend it, we immediately devalue the other person. And this happens all the time. This happens with a stranger at the grocery store, your spouse, your kids, your parents, your friends, your coworkers. And it's just super quick devalue so that you can feel like what you did was okay. So we be, our behavior is crooked in this situation, right? And when something's crooked, right, we need to make it straight. And to make something straight is called justification. We kind of understand this when you build a building. If your angles and your lines aren't true or justified, um, especially if your foundation's off, your whole house is going to be off. Um, so in the book, they say when something is crooked and we need to make it straight, we call it justifying. This wall is crooked, so it needs to be justified. There's my builder analogy I shared with you a moment ago. And did I have any need to be justified when I had the desire to help? They put, they posit that question. Right. And so if you did the right thing, would you have had the need um, to justify when you acted on that desire. As an aside, I, and it's obvious that there are those who are bent on evil. And this is not, um, that's a little bit different scenario. I'm sort of talking about us in our everyday life who are willing to act out of a conscience and operate a, in good conscience in human relationship interactions with one another. So just let me be clear about that. All right. So there's no need to justify yourself if you're not being crooked towards somebody, right? If you're acting out of um, good conscience in a right way because you're seeing that other person with value, you don't have to justify your bad behavior. So when I, this is out of the book, when I betray myself, others' faults become immediately inflated. Take note of that word, inflated in my heart and mind. I begin to horribilize others. That is, I begin to make them out to be worse than they really are. Man, how quickly do we do that? I'll be honest. I, I'm reading this going, it just gets there so quick and I don't want it to. Um, I don't intend for it to, but it gets there so quickly if we don't catch our thoughts, if we don't catch how we're seeing another person. In my field, um, this idea of horribleizing and, or inflating faults, um, we call that villainizing. And so it's sort of like turning this other person into your villain, which by default means you always have to live in a victim stance. Or, but you don't have to, that you will. And how much of that are we seeing now in our culture where it's just everybody's my villain if I don't feel good or if I feel offended, whether you've truly been offensive or not, because I'm living in a victim stance or a victim mentality. There are real victims. There are real villains. Let's be clear. There are even real heroes at times. But in our day-to-day -day lives, aside from 
real issues and events that call for heroes because there have been victims and there there is a villain um, in our every, again, I'm not talking about those extremes or situations. I'm talking about how we engage day to day in our everyday lives with people. And so as soon as you start to villainize someone, you're taking on a victim stance and there's no power in that. Um, as soon as you start to horribleize them, as soon as you act crookedly and then blame them, right? What happens? You've betrayed yourself. Here's our working theory. When I treat somebody in a wrong way that goes against my conscience, I've betrayed myself. That, that betrayal make, creates a need in me to make them the bad guy or to see them as less than. In the moment that I see, do that, I am dehumanizing them. I am seeing them as less than human. Or another way to think about it is I'm seeing them as less valuable than me. And that's not right. We all have equal value as human beings. Then, because I've done that, right, I've been crooked, I've got to justify it, I'm devaluing the other person, then I start to villainize them, or as this book says, horribleize them or their behavior, and I blow it up. I inflate it. I make it bigger than it is. Um, this is, I think, when we start to get into mind reading and we make all these conclusions about somebody's intent toward us without ever investigating their intent toward us. And it just creates a space in our head that's awful. And it feels like garbage. Don't do it. Like, <laughs> let's not do that. I'm, I'm going to work at being more aware of even when maybe self-consciously I'm doing that. I have relationships in my life where I love people dearly, but I really, really struggle with some of the ways we engage and interact. And there are people that have a heart of war toward me, and I still need to be able to interact with them. So the only thing I know is that if I can hold on to a heart of peace, which is really overall what this book is about, right? That I would have a heart of peace toward those who would even want to go to war with me or have a heart of war toward me. This is really important to hold that stance because if I don't, if I go to war with them, and I've, I've done this a lot in one of my relationships because I just didn't know what else to do, then it can go down this pathway we're talking about today. And that becomes that war within me that impacts how I think of that person, how I treat that person. And I, guys, I really think that even if we're not interacting directly, I feel like we kind of understand when somebody, I think they know if I have a heart of war or a heart of peace toward them. I'm not saying that acting in a heart of peace toward them is going to change their behavior. In fact, sometimes it might ramp it up if they're looking for the fight. So understand that. But this is not about us trying to control somebody to get the result we want. It's, it's about a good boundary, a healthy boundary, right? So it's simply me taking accountability for my thoughts, my feelings, my heart, my words, my behaviors toward other people. And at a really core level, that resonates with me at kind of making this choice to have a heart of peace. And if I have that heart of peace and I'm presented with these situations that we're talking about today, how much easier will it be for me to do the right thing, to make the right choice, to be helpful even towards somebody I'm angry at or very hurt by um, in a right way? To At the very least, if I can't interact, 
because it's not emotionally safe or something or physically that I can at least heal and let go and have a heart of peace toward that person, right? I don't have to hold on to the anger um, and the wound inflicted by someone else. It is not good for me. I'm, I don't have to deal with them. I don't have, and me letting go of that and having peace doesn't mean I'm saying their behavior was okay. So there's a lot of different scenarios I could go on and on about and probably don't need to and don't want to confuse the content today. Let me just say that when you make the choice to do the wrong thing toward another human being, you have betrayed yourself. Once you betray yourself, you are going to be looking for why it's their fault. And so because you've behaved crookedly toward them, you're going to be looking to justify or excuse your own behavior. And then you will villainize, or as the book says, horribleize that person. You're going to inflate their, their negative behaviors and negative traits in your head. And that is going to spin out. Um, and it's just as simple as this. If I haven't been crooked in my interactions with you, my intent toward you, my behavior toward you, then I need to spend zero time justifying my bad behavior. And that becomes a heart of peace instead of a heart of war. I hope this has been helpful. Um, gosh, I've tried to record this content so many times that I'm not even sure how much it has shifted each time. Hopefully it's refined it a little and made it better for y'all. I really appreciate you listening today. I love you guys. Keep pursuing your purpose over perfection. And I will see you next time. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Pop Coach Life Podcast. To catch all her past shows, go to www.popcoach.life.